Good morning, world, uh, and welcome to A Culture Conversation. I'm your host, Hussein, aka Twin GQ. Today, we have a special guest that's going to be joining our platform, somebody that's been doing incredible work in the Canadian sports landscape, a former CFL champion, two-time Great Cup champion, um, most outstanding player award in the Canadian Great Cup as well. Um, you know, the Hamilton native, somebody that's built the CEBL and has been doing amazing work throughout um, building the, the infrastructure here in Canada. So with further ado, we're going to introduce our guest, Mike Morielli. Hey guys, how you doing? Good, good, good. Um, thank you first and foremost for joining our platform. I know today is opening day and you have a lot of things going on, but we're, we're very grateful for you to be able to take the opportunity to kind of share your story here on the CEBL. So we're, um, Definitely grateful. No, to my pleasure to be here. Uh, it is a little busy, but let's uh, let's talk some basketball and some CBL. I'm always up to do that. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I wanted to tap into different topics. I guess we're going to start with opening week. I know back in uh, 2019, the inaugural season, you had six teams. And then now you have six teams playing on yeah. one night. So just kind of talk about that growth and um, the parity of the league over the years. You know, it's funny. I never thought about it that way. That <laughs> We do have a triple header tonight to, to start the season. And, uh, you know, we got a, a new team playing in Montreal, and that's pretty exciting. And, um, you know, it's been a journey, obviously. This is something that you have to have a passion for because you're going to go up and down and all over the place, especially not only just starting a, a league from scratch like we did in 2019, but getting through COVID and, and trying to survive and finding cool and different ways to just to be better and, and to be recognized and for people to be aware of what we're doing. And, and I'm happy to sit here today, excited that we got six game, you know, three games on, six teams playing tonight, and we're into yeah. year four. I mean, this is, it's gone by like crazy. Uh, if I didn't get such a short haircut, I'd have no hair left, but uh, uh, it, it is, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, as a as a basketball purist and uh, somebody that grew up playing at a high respectable level, it's it's kind of good to see the change in the basketball culture. Um, I used to every summer had to travel to America to play in these like power leagues and these pro-ams because we didn't really have an infrastructure. And if we did, it was like limited, you know, so just understanding now that we have guys that don't need to go overseas and they could play home and, and get a decent salary and stay in shape is is huge. You talk about guys that are participating in for the for the national team, esports players, and professionals overseas or the G League. So just talk about how you're able to build that infrastructure that fit the model for these athletes. Well, I think that you know the problem you faced was faced by lots and lots and lots of of Canadian basketball players. That was where do you play at home? How can you further your career? How can you get noticed? Um, you know, it can't just be a place you come home in the summer to train and that's it. Like this is, we have to build the infrastructure to get there. So we took the look, we took a look at the, uh, the basketball landscape and realized that number one, basketball is on a huge trajectory. And number two, no one was really doing anything about it in a, in a real proper way. Um, so when we sat back, you know, five and a half, six years ago, we just aimed to build a better mousetrap you know, make, make things better, um, do it for the right reasons, uh, and create something for Canadians by Canadians. So that was really it. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we're successful, but a lot of it comes from the buy-in from, from the players. The players see this as a league that is highly respectable, that can get them the opportunity 
to do whatever they want. You know, we've been successful sending guys to the NBA. We've been successful with our players getting better contracts overseas, um, go to the G League, um, go back to U Sports and become MVPs and tournament MVPs. And, and you know, that's, that's really important. Uh, we've provided a home uh, and a highly visible one that's on national television and gets international recognition. And it's in the backyards of where a lot of these people grew up. So, you know, and we play FIBA rules and FIBA is the game as a country we need to get better at because we're certainly damn good in the NCAA and, and in in the NBA, yeah. but that doesn't translate to international basketball and international basketball is where you're going to make your mark. Um, you know, there was an announcement yesterday with Team Canada, the roster for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Um, there's a nice mix of NBA talent and uh, other overseas talent, guys like Kevin Pangos, Melvin Edgem. Um, and it just, they get it now too. They're like, okay, if we got to compete, we got to keep players together. We got to learn the culture, we prepare as a team, but we got to learn the FIBA game. And, and we're starting, um, to do that in a way that not only can you learn it, you can make money off it and you can be successful at it and it'll help your career wherever you go. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing with, um, this era of basketball now is, you know, the foundation has been laid before us, but now we can be a little bit more creative with the influx of the talent, um, analytics, and all these great things that kind of uplift our uh, basketball community. As far as uh, Canada basketball now, um, that partnership um, is really a staple for your league. So how did you identify that partnership for the future of the league in terms of like expansion plans and what you guys are trying to do now with bringing more international or global presence to, to well, Canada? Well, you know, the very first thing we did was do a partnership with Canada Basketball, you know, over five years ago. And because it's the right thing to do. I think your national federation, the one that, you know, should be at the top of the pyramid, needs to be um, someone you partner with so you can grow the game together. And I would suggest that we both helped each other um, in those early stages because we were providing avenues for success on the court, off the court, um, awareness on the court, off the court. You know, we operate as a for-profit business. So we, we operate different than a federation does. A federation is there to do different things. And we're, we're a nice complement to that because we start to wave the flag and we start to, you know, market around the game. And, and if you've noticed over the last several years, Canada basketball has really stepped it up in terms of getting on the marketing bandwagon and, and really trying to raise the level um, and, and showcase our players. So that relationship was incredibly important from um, playing FIBA by having, you know, high Canadian content because that was incredibly important, uh, you know, getting into the communities we play at the develop, developmental side of what we do, whether it's through U-Sport or junior NBA camps, et cetera. And, you know, and then the connection to FIBA because that connection to FIBA through the National Federation is really your key to unlocking the rest of the world. And that, you know, do clearing players through Canada basketball to make sure their contracts can come over, et cetera. It's just the right way to work. And we looked at all the other leagues that are either still around or, or long gone. And their reasons for doing things were not in line with ours and certainly not in line with the future of Canada basketball. Um, that's their choice. Our choice was different. Our choice has been successful because we've stuck true to that. And it's important that we stick true to that. But, you know, just that affiliation with Canada Basketball is the reason we're playing in the Champions League of Americas under FIBA and why we're able to travel our teams all over the world and showcase not only the CBL, but but Canada. 
and our Canadian talent. So, you know, you got to do the homework, you got to do the legwork, you got to do all that. That's why it took a year, year and a half before we actually tipped off because we got to make sure we did it right. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it, I think it's a testament to the organization you guys got over there um, because we've been able to see that growth, especially on the media side. Um, the marketing, the internal marketing efforts has been outstanding, I should say, and just understanding like like branding and 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 the the storytelling aspect of the sport is is very good. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your your upbringing. Obviously, a Hamilton native. What was some of your cultural influences as far as like sports growing up? Uh, I I, I was born into a football family, so you know my my uh, the Morielli okay. side, uh, my dad's side was you know tie huge tie cat fans. The Masadi side, which is because uh, I'm related to Paul Masadi, was a longtime Argo player. You know they were they were in all yeah. types of sports, and it was just a rite of passage that sports were a big part of my life growing up. I didn't know any different and I loved it. I'm, I mean, it was the greatest thing in the world. Um, and I was able to look, you know, around even my own family was my dad who went to university and played football, or my cousins that played in the CFL and be influenced by them. Uh, and then sitting at the stands at, at uh, Ticat games at the old Iverwin stadium and watching those players play. I mean, I've said it before, but me being able to sit there as a kid and watch professional football and aspire to be them, it connects the dots. And that really didn't exist in Canada for, for young kids. So when I see uh, a lot of the youngsters, men, women, everybody come to our games now, they actually, they can see something in front of them that is achievable if they put their mind to it. It's real. It's going to be there. It's a platform. It's a destination. Not everybody go to the NBA. Not everybody go to the NCAA. Not everybody go to U Sport or, or CCAA. Um, so this is really, you got to start that, that goal setting early and just by providing the platform that does that. So uh, that's the way I grew up. I was, uh, you know, I, I played truthfully, I didn't play football until I in grade 10, my dad wouldn't let me. So I spent 16 years as a soccer player, wow. uh, played a ton of soccer and oh, I wow. played goalie. And I think in hindsight, that was really what made me a better receiver is because my reaction to the ball made you know, just to visualize it, et cetera. I never really thought about it at the time. But, uh, yeah, I didn't start till grade 10, and, and then I was just fortunate to be pretty good. And then it just took off from there. Yeah. Yeah, and then talk about playing um, for your hometown team and actually winning a great cup. Like, what was that feeling like? And obviously being able to do it in front of your, your family and friends. Like, what was that? Oh, it was incredible. Like? And, and actually, I got a – you know, there was a couple experiences that were both, you know – you know, highlights in my career. Um, in 1996, uh, it was my second year with the Argos. Uh, I got picked up from there to them first, which was fantastic. Um, it, which, but it, from a Hamiltonian perspective, they didn't like me too much. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, might have that crosstown rivalry. To this day, to this day, I still get, yeah. why'd you go to the Argos? Uh, but the first time around, yeah. I had no choice. They picked me up, and I was like, yeah, I'll play anywhere. I'd play on the, on the moon if, if there was a team. Um, and then in my second year, Doug Flutie came to town. Um, you know, we had Doug was just the most incredible football player I've been around, and pinball was there, and my cousin Paul was there. was a lot of good uh, athletes, but we played in the Grey Cup in Hamilton. So even though I didn't have the Hamilton jersey on, that Grey Cup took place at Ivanwin Stadium. So I'll never forget the feeling I had that morning on game day driving by Ivor Wynn and looking over and going, holy man, like this, 
this is it come full circle, right? That's where I was as a five-year-old. Mm. And here I am, you know, 96, 20, 20 wow. years later, looking out in the field and, and realizing that I got a chance to play. We were fortunate we won that game. So being able to hoist that trophy in Hamilton. Uh, now, as a member of the Argos, they weren't too happy. But for me personally, it was like a, a thrill. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then that was replicated. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate to go back to the Great Cup in 98 as a member of the, the Ticats. Uh, we lost in the last second field goal. And then we just kind of said, well, we're not going to have that happen again. In 99, we went back, played the same team, Calgary Stampeders, and, and basically blew them out um, in Vancouver to win. And then that moment, bringing that trophy back to Hamilton was, again, just one of those memorable experiences to, to see your name inscribed on the trophy. And, to, and for me, to, to do it for the city that I grew up in, right? Um, so that that was a really incredible moment and and it hasn't been done since which is kind of sad you know we're the last team in 1990, wow. 1999 to win in hamilton so yeah. you know i'm getting tired of being the last guy to do it or the last group of guys to do it but but truthfully you yeah. know those moments so you know I'm, I'm heading down today um in a little bit to go see the montreal team they're in town to play tonight against hamilton and I, i'm going to talk to those guys like i talked to all our teams and the really cool thing about not just Montreal, but all their other teams is the local players that are playing now in their home province or in their home market. So they are now what I was like, right? So I can relate to them and I can impose maybe some Absolutely. wisdom on them or not even that, just some, I understand where they're coming from and I want them to savor the moment mm. because these moments don't happen too often. Um, so it's really cool to see that come full circle and to have a part in it. Um, just from a different side of the ball and a different sport. So, uh, but it's really incredible to be mm. able to participate in that. Yeah. And I think um, I can kind of relate to that in a sense, being like a, a Scarborough native myself and just having so much like imprint on the basketball culture and looking up to the guys um, like the, obviously the Jamal McGlores and the Denim Browns and a lot of these guys that really laid the foundation for guys like me to take it serious and to now see that, we actually have a team and we feel a part of that because we kind of represented it. And, you know, we really put Scarborough on the map from a young age. And, you know, my good friend, Daniel yep. Mullins is in a Niagara Jersey, but um, he's one of the staples in the community as well. Right. So um, obviously talking about the new franchise in Scarborough, how do you think that's going to play out in terms of like the competitiveness in the league? We obviously know Jay Cole's involved. Um, we're going to get to your thoughts on that, but um the whole Scarborough, bringing it as the GTA's first team, uh, what was that like? That it was process? it was really interesting. You know, we as a league, we were a little bit reluctant to go into Toronto area ourselves um, sure because I you know I, I really believe that you got to have the right certain markets require the right people and the right people that understand the community. And when you talk specifically about a place like Scarborough there's a defined community. Like it is Scarborough is Scarborough. I, I remember making the uh, comment once about, you know, it'll be Toronto's team. I'm like, what's well, going to be Scarborough's team first. Like it's not going to be Toronto's team until it's Scarborough's yeah, team. Absolutely. And absolutely. you know, I was at their event yep. the other night as they had a little season holder uh, tip off and like it, it, you do, there was a lot of, there was a lot, you guys have your way of, of chatting and talking and, and all of and yeah, I felt absolutely. like, man, okay, I get it now. Like, I get it because I'm immersed in yeah. it. And when you bring in guys like mm -hmm. Sam Ibrahim and Nico 
And these guys that have, have grown up there and have struggled to get to where they are and are doing this for the right reasons, it was just a match made in heaven, right? They were doing it because they want to give back to the community that molded them, that helped them be successful. And it was full of trials and tribulations, but because of that, they prospered. So the shooting star name, everything is affiliated with that, has a purpose, has a meaning. Um, and, and that's when those discussions started. Um, you know, I was aware of the dynamics of, you know, Scarborough and, and the surrounding area, but I didn't, I didn't understand it as well as, because I didn't grow up in Toronto. I grew up, you know, I talk about Hamilton, I'd get yeah. Hamilton, talk Stony Absolutely. Creek, et cetera. But um, yeah. so it was very cool. And it's, it's something that's really important to all our teams. And that is the, how you identify with the community and how you ingrain yourself with the community, because you can't just be there for 10 home games or whatever it may be. You really got to create a presence and you really got to create a connection and that was the that was a really cool thing about taking our time and being patient and allowing a group like uh, OVO and, and like Sam and everybody to come to the forefront and then do it the way it should be done, you know, under our guys, under our um, our platform, but to make it their own. Yeah, and it's crazy because I actually their home arena is less than five hundred meters away no from my high school. So when I was going to high school at Pope John Paul Catholic, there was like an open field where Pan Am lays. So just to see now, like you could go back to your community and your alumni, like Alma Mater High School and, and see that they have like a really good developing multi-purpose space in the Pan Am and now having a team. And, you know, we just, like I said, I would love to see the community and the kids having access to go to these games. That's, that's my biggest, um, you know, that'd be my biggest joy because as a guy that does a lot of community work myself through sports, um, it's very important to give these kids, like you said, like that hope to let them see like that they can be whatever they put their mind to because there's guys that grew up just like myself or like you said, guys like Sam and Nico that have that um, relevance and connection to the culture yeah, as well. No, I mean, listen, it, you know, that venue is, is, is the first step towards something even bigger and better in Scarborough. There will be a new venue. It will be a destination for all people that are from Scarborough. It'll, it'll be part of the CBL and the Scarborough shooting stars, but that, that group behind it wants to invest back in the community. So, you know, the Pan Am center now is going to be amazing, but it only going to fit a couple thousand people. And you know, those tickets aren't going to be easy to get. Exactly. So, you know, how we yeah. engage with the fans outside the arena in all the open spaces, how do we get the community there? So we can, maybe you can't get inside it. We understand, but how do we, how do you participate? How are you still part of the team, part of the event? Um, mm -hmm. So that, and that's the beauty of playing in, in the summer and, and providing those kind of other areas to congregate and get together and, and really feel like you're bringing people together. So um, that's, that's the incredible part. It won't, it won't just, exist inside the building it should exist in the whole community absolutely absolutely um so what are your thoughts on obviously j cole um the mega rap star um one of the greatest rappers of this generation like what is your thoughts on like him coming to the league and like how would that help build your league um from a branding standpoint and with his whole unique commercial value and media value well, well i gotta say when i first heard about it which was about month month and a half ago um yeah, I, I was just thrilled that there's somebody, you know, of his stature that wanted to play. And I, I followed him at the BAL 
So I understood and I know that, you know, he's always been a fan of basketball and had this desire to do it. But when I first heard it, I'm like, cool, this guy wants to come play basketball. Then let's treat him as a basketball player. Let's go. What do we need to get done to get the deal done and, and whatever. And I, maybe I, I had underestimated the impact it was going to have. I knew it was going to create some buzz. I didn't expect it was like incredible. Um, and, and what yeah. makes it so incredible for me is it shines a light on the CBL, which signs a light on Canadian players and the other players in our league. I don't want to just mm-hmm. discount the other players because they're part of our league, but it brings attention to something that you couldn't pay that. You couldn't pay that amount of money ever to market to that extent uh, broadly across not just Canada, North America, all of the world. I mean, it was really incredible and sometimes overwhelming. I'm still trying to catch up from it, to be honest with you. Um, but that was yeah, never, exactly. at least in my mind, and I know in, in, in Nico's mind as well, because of the relationship and, and everything, that this was all done for the right reasons. And I knew that. And I guess when you do things right, then good things happen. And that the good things that happen were worldwide recognition of what we do. And that only helps our league grow and helps attract more players and helps shine a light on the guys we got. And, and to be honest, you know, when I got to meet uh, Jay, there could be a nicer dude in the world that's just down to earth. He just wants to be a basketball player. And we didn't talk music. We didn't talk entertainment. He was busy taking notes, listening to the coach and, and sh- uh, shooting shots and staying late and coming in early. We have a competitive league. This is going to be a challenge, right? This is, we got guys that can play. We Absolutely. got guys that have gone to the NBA. We Absolutely. got guys that have played the NBA. Yeah. This is going to be a challenge. This is not going to be, hey, you know, roll right in. I, I hope it is. But for any player, it's a challenge. Uh, and that it should be that way. Um, yep. So he's accepted that challenge. Absolutely. He's got more pressure on him than we do on us. Um, but that's that's oh. what he wants to accept. And hey, listen, if you tell me we got this player that uh, that has the passion, that works hard, that wants to commit, then let's give it a show. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think like you said, in terms of like the marketing and from a business standpoint, that's advertising you can't pay for. You can't put a price tag on that. Um, as far as the basketball, though, obviously being here for limited games, I'm not too sure if he will play the whole season. Um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it unfolds in terms of like how he fits, um, playing style. Uh, we do, like I said, he, he does have some shooting ability and I've actually got to see him work out a couple of times in New York and stuff like that. So, um, I'm here for it. I would love to see like, um, him on the court and, and compete, but yeah, they're, there, there, there are a lot of players that are going to be coming. Oh, for you, you better <laughs> let's believe just, it. <laughs> you know, keep it. Yeah, let's just keep it, keep it, keep it simple and plain. So it's, it's like I said, that competitive like atmosphere is is what I would love to see with the league. But at the same time, it's good to see the 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 viewerships now that are going to go up and potential opportunities that are going to open up for more players. And and you know, as I'm talking about this now, let's get into more of like the future. So when we talk about the future of of the CEBL um, and like expansion plans and emerging markets, like what goes through your mind with that? Well, we have a plan. I mean, uh, and our plan is, you know, it has to be flexible because we've learned anything through COVID. You got to just be able to just turn on a dime sometimes. So, but our, our game plan, which, you know, five, six years ago was, yeah, we get to 12 teams one day. Now I'm saying, oh, no, no, we, no, no, we can do better than that. Um, you know, we'll probably be 14 to 16 teams. We want to get into Winnipeg, want to get into Calgary, want to get another team in the BC area, Quebec City, East Coast. 
um, and really get to a divisional model. And because we have a, when we play is part of our secret sauce because it's the downtime in international basketball, G League, NBA. So we attract very, very, very high level talent because they have to train for their next year and they've been, they usually go to a gym and do it on their own or play pickup games. We're providing the platform to play mm-hmm. in meaningful, real, highly competitive games on national, international television with scouts watching that can get you better contracts, that can get you better opportunities. So, you know, we want to be in markets that can support that. And we want to be in big markets. And, you know, because we play in that window, we're kind of limited in time, right? Seasons end around this time. Seasons start up just kind of when we finish. So we have a finite amount of time. Uh, So if we get to a divisional model, we can actually cut down some of the cross-country travel which will open up some more days, which will allow us to go from a 20 game schedule to a 24 or a 28. And that means the guys get paid more. That means fans get to see more. Uh, It just means more basketball. So that's kind of where we're heading. I I would suspect in the next two to four years, we may be at that number. Um, We could be there a little bit earlier. Uh, There's been a, a lot of talks that I've had and that's my role, right? My role is to not only oversee the league from a commissioner point of view, but to grow the league and manage the operation of the league. And that includes expansion and, and, um, and finding new ownership groups and, and a whole bunch of stuff, uh, broadcast, national partnerships, you name it, media. And, uh, it's a, it's a fun time to be in basketball in Canada. And I'm, it's, I'm, I'm excited. I have a chance to, to help shape a little bit what, uh, what the basketball community will look like. Yeah, and I think um, the change is inevitable. But in terms of like, like when we look at the NBA, for an example, one of the most international progressive leagues, and you see a guy like Adam Silver now getting the play-in tournament and just splicing things up. Uh, how do you think the CBL can do similar things in the league that will like kind of spicing the game up a little bit? Um, obviously, you talk about the Elam ending and stuff like that, but in terms of like playing tournament you did the bubble a couple years ago like what are some ways you can kind of spice up the league from that well i think you know part of that strategy i just talked about of getting to the divisional model creating rivalries having more games etc looking at expanding um our playoff structure a bit as we add more teams you know maybe have you know divisional championships and you culminate to the national championships the elam ending is a huge one we're the only league in the world that plays it um, it, it, the coaches wanted to kill me when I put it in, but it's like, you gotta, you gotta see it to believe it. And it's, you'll appreciate it's like bas- backyard basketball, right? So when that clock shuts off, you know, on the first stoppage under four minutes, we had nine to the leading team score and you just run in to chase that number. Both teams are. So gone are the, the ticky tack fouls and the needless timeouts because it doesn't work like you can't put it, the other team on the line, right? Cause every point counts and it counts even more because there's a hard limit. So that's important. And even changing the way we do our playoffs in terms of matchups and how we do that, uh, we're always open to be different because we feel like, well, we got a, a group of, of people uh, and owners and presidents and players that are willing to try different things. You know, we paid our players in crypto. We've, um, we've done a lot of stuff that have, has been, you know, maybe we move a little quicker than most because of how we're structured. You know, we're a single entity model. So the league owns nine of the teams and Scarborough obviously is owned by, by the guys I mentioned before. 
So the decision making is quite fast and it's quite seamless and it's easy. And that allows us to, to do a lot of those things like survive COVID. Okay. That's, that's interesting. And, um, I wanted to get your take on women's sports. I, I know that, um, I've read a couple articles before and there's actually a really alarming rise of women's sports. And, um, do you see the CBL getting interested in like maybe developing a woman's side as a subsidiary company or encouraging, you know, the, the implementation of like a women's league or a, a women's team in the W. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this publicly, like we are, we are here to support the development of a women's league. We've already done all the hard work in terms of the infrastructure and uh, the rules and, and how to, you know, operate on game days. We, we've laid the blueprint and we want to be the operational partner. We want to say, Hey, let's, let's use our platform. Let's use our markets. Let's use everything we've accomplished in connection with Canada basketball, uh, because it's really important to them. You know, our women are fourth or fifth in the entire world and they practice only a few weeks a year together. I mean, can you imagine if they were here all the time and they were playing all the time, the competition was together all the time. You know, we see, we've seen it on the men's side from the rosters we had in 2019 to the roster we have today is night and day. And I thought it was really good in 2019. So it just keeps getting better. Um, but the women deserve a place to play. The, the only thing standing our way right now is because we didn't as a league, you know, have a business plan for a women's side out the gate. And truthfully, you know, we're still a startup. So uh, we need to get, you know, continue on our plans on the men's side. And we need to find some either, you know, some investors, private investors or um, partners on the sponsorship side or government or whatever it is, has to invest into women's sport. There's no other way to put it. I mean, they have to invest in sport in general. They have to invest in the sport of basketball in general. There's not enough facilities. There's not enough, um, you know, spectator facilities. There are none, quite frankly. So this really needs to, to be a, an all-in effort. But I... Definitely, the, we're in. We're in, and Canada basketball's in, and now it's like, okay, what do we do to get this thing across the finish line? Absolutely. So, and your wildest dreams growing up in Hamilton, would you ever envision yourself being the spearhead of one of the most progressive Canadian sports leagues? You know, I, no. <laughs> not, uh, not, <laughs> not if you said it was basketball. If you would have told me one day you'd be mm -hmm. the head of the CFL and you'd be changing the culture and trying to make it better. I would have, that would have been a believable dream to me because I would have been something that I would have said I want to do. I never thought about it in basketball. It never entered my mind, but it was the greatest gift given to me because I'm, I'm in a sport wow. that I love. I'm in a sport that's representative of the whole community and the whole country. And I, I'm in a, I'm surrounded by people that, that are excited every day about what we're doing and it's growing so and i can be creative and so in that respect yeah i got everything i want and more i uh, i love this job not a better job in the world i'll have this job until somebody tells me i don't um but yeah it, it's exciting times to be part of this and to help all you know yes we're a men's league but really we're trying to influence the whole basketball ecosystem to make everybody come together. You know, it's a bit, a bit fragmented as you probably know, growing up in it. So how do we grow? Yeah. yeah. yeah how do absolutely. we grow these, these groups to come together instead of feeling like they got to compete? Um, because people get left out if they compete, but everybody together, good things can happen. 
Absolutely. They say in the African uh, proverbs that you you go further together than to struggle alone. Um, In terms of uh, media side, like in viewerships, like obviously we don't have like a robust like leader as in like an ESPN. So in terms of like live coverage and like getting more eyes on the leagues, what are your plans? Yeah, so we're uh, we're very happy to have a three year deal with uh, the CBC Uh, that expires at the end of this season. Obviously, they want us to return, and we're also already discussing other uh, broadcast avenues, both domestically and internationally. So, you know, ideally for us, CBC is a tremendous partner, and they add a lot of value, and they provide free coverage across the whole country. And and that, to me, out the gate was really important, was the access. But there are some limitations, because they're not a sports channel. And some of our linear, Mm -hmm. you know, live TV games are on windows that, you know, are the best windows, let's say in the summer. So we're going to work on that with CBC, but we're going to also find a dedicated sports station that people already go and watch and see. And that will immediately uh, help us, you know, from a perception point of view, from an awareness point of view, even more that more so than now. So those conversations are ongoing right now. Uh, We have a great company out of the U S that heads that up for us. It's something that we're going to invest in. Because, you know, we're at the point now that we need to be on, our games need to be on all the time because there, there's enough talent here um, that it should be seen. So right now you can watch, if you're in Canada, you can watch games on uh, our, our live games, which most of them are back-ended. We got 10 live games or took 10 TV games near the end of the year, lead them to championships and, uh, and playoffs, et cetera. Uh, but all 107 games are on CBC Gem on their app, on cbcsports.ca and then on our own native uh, OTT platform called CBL Plus. So if you want to watch us, even if you're in anywhere, Dubai, you can pick up a game on CBL Plus uh, and watch the CBL. So that was really important as we continue to grow uh, and expand our media side of the business. Because we really are, as much as we play basketball, we're a media content company. We're churning out media and content every day. And I think I think that's uh, very important that you you said that I think a lot of the forward facing progressive leagues are actually starting to implement that uh, media side because it it sells right we're we're in like a media crazed uh, society and we talked about the implication obviously earlier of J Cole being a part of this now and now there's more eyes and you have Shams from the Athletic tweeting and he never tweets about Canadian. No, he was stuff, hunting so, me down for like, like I said, weeks. I got to give him credit, man. He, he called me every yeah, day and yeah. texted me every day. And I said, I got nothing to tell you, Shams, but you'll be the first to know. And he was. He yeah. was the first to know. He dropped it. Yeah. Um, but that interest, I mean, you're talking about him and Woj are like one and two in in, in, in yeah, pro basketball, absolutely. right? So just them yeah. recognizing us gives us a lift. And that's really that's really cool. Yeah, um, the last thing I wanted to tap in with before uh, I let you get back to your busy day um, is more of like the financial, like or the economic model. So obviously, like growing as an upstart, um, I guess, what are some ways you can kind of grow the league in terms of like, more getting more like people involved to kind of invest and believe and buy in in the future of the CBL? Well, we've certainly that started. Uh, obviously, you know, Nico and Sam are a great indication of people are paying attention and they're 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 liking what we do and they want to invest in not only their team but they're also part owners of the league itself, right? So every every team owner that comes on, as we 
piece off some of our existing teams will be equal shareholders in the league. So the goal is to grow the league um, because without the league, there is no teams. The teams don't matter. You need that strong foundation. Without the NFL Shield, there's no Buffalo Bills. Like you just got to really build that. Uh, we do have a lot of interest from private equity groups and venture capitalists and people that want to invest because they see what we're doing. Um, you know, we're going to, we're now we're a gate driven league, right? For the most part, most, that's what most leagues in Canada are. Um, we want to move to, you know, obviously you'll always be a gate driven league because you want to sell tickets. We want to move more on the sponsorship and media and broadcast side to help with other revenue streams to help us grow. Um, but overall, the investors are out there, I know, because I talk to them. Uh, we just want to do things right. We want to do things with the right people, and we want to do things at the right time, and we want to continue to maximize value and provide more opportunity for our, our players to play. Yeah, okay. What are you, what are you most excited about um, to see today on Open? I, I, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm at the Hamilton game tonight. We got uh, two other games, I think one in Ottawa, one in Saskatchewan. Um, and I'll make my rounds as the week goes on and the weeks go on. But, you know, I just want to see that that competitive fire. Like, I just – I'm excited to see fans back in the building. And I'm excited to see these players hit a court for real, right? They've been sitting in training camps or coming off other seasons. And now they're at that home, you know, in their home country. Um, love seeing the imports that our teams have brought in because they've been handpicked. We have a new international roster spot this year. So you're going to see guys from Greece and from Nigeria and from France and England and all over the world uh, join our rosters. And that's really cool because, again, it expands our global footprint. But it also helps us because these players have played FIBA-style basketball since they've been this big. And that's all they know. So their skill level, the thought level of the game is a little bit superior to ours in terms of how they understand the game. What, what the Canadian basketball uh, what Canada basketball has that's different than most other countries in the world is the pace in which we play and the athleticism. So the combination of that athleticism and getting to understand the feed the game is a real dangerous co combination for other teams because, you know, if we can master the art of FIBA but not lose our athleticism, then we're going to do very, very well uh, on the international stage. And it all starts here uh, in, our, in our home league. So that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, uh, me as well. I, I want to see some great ball. I want to see, uh, obviously, a championship in Scarborough, but maybe I'm talking too soon. Um, but with that being said, uh, thank you so much, uh, Mike, for joining us here and, and sharing your story. Um, I'm very grateful to have opportunity to share this with our platform. Um, also, I know the basketball community been waiting to hear about, you know, the expansion stuff with um, the community and stuff like that. So, now I can, you know, rest my case now. And, um, you know, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to catching some games in, in the arenas if I can get tickets. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch. And uh, thank you. My pleasure. Again. My pleasure.